and welcome to Stationery Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford and joined as always by my friend and co-host, the Mr. Stuart Lennon. Hey Stu, how's Cyprus today? It's hot, which I guess is not unexpected. Not as hot as it has been in, in Sicily, but uh, pretty warm. Mm. So did you, did you see that in Sicily, a new record for Europe? No, I hadn't. 48.8. Oh, that'd be warm. In Syracuse, which, yeah, that's a bit toasty, I think. Yeah, we had that 47 degrees and then the town burnt down here. So <laughs> I ho- hopefully Sicily's having a little better luck than BC did with the hot temperature. Yeah, let's hope. Wow. Uh, how hot are you guys at the moment? Uh, it's it's calm down here. We're at levels we would kind of expect. So we're at 33. That's that's still a little warm for my taste, I have to be honest. But it's August. I'm in the Eastern Med. I, I can't complain. We're supposed to hit another mini heat wave, 37 degrees today, which for American listeners, 98.6 degrees because I looked it up yesterday. Wow, that's warm. A little toasty. Yeah. Let's get on with our show. Follow up. I found out something really cool last week, Stu. Tell me. Obsidian, the course from the suite setup. It has, for the videos, a variable speed button. Remember, I was complaining that Marco had ruined me? Ah, uh, yes. Well, I found my sweet spot at 1.25 times as fast as it should be going. The videos are perfect for me. <laughs> uh, and I'm impressed that they've added this functionality. And I was just thinking about it. Come on, Netflix, you need to get your acting gear. <laughs> really, really good function to have. And very, very pleased that it's there. So I thought I'd give him a shout out for doing that. But after you told me about it, I did try. And I have to say, I agree with you for listening to or watching the, the video as a sort of run through. 1.25 is great. Mm-hmm. However, I was taking notes during the videos and I found that too fast. Ah, so you're slowing it down. Yeah. So I, I, I went back to one for when I'm taking notes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's great to have that functionality. We, we're all getting faster, you know, in, in a couple of hundred years. Everybody's going to be talking like that. It's going to be so much of that. And everybody who's already listening on Evercast is already finding this very, 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 very far. <laughs> I was going to say, as I get older, I seem to be slowing down, not getting faster, though. <laughs> yeah, it's just, there's so much to do. So we do everything fast. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Mm-hmm. What's your tool of the week this week, Stuart? Ah, uh, well, it's, a, it's an old tool, or relatively old tool. Uh, it's a thing called a scan snap, mm-hmm. which is a document scanner from Fujitsu. They, you remember Evernote, the dark distant past? I remember Evernote, yes. Yeah, they, they made one for Evernote. There was a branded one for Evernote, which I used to have. This is the Fujitsu branded one and, and one model later, I think. But it's just a simple document scanner that you can put you know, a pile of papers on. You can put receipts on there. You can put little business cards on there and press a button and it will wirelessly scan everything into, well, wherever you want it to scan it to. So I, to a certain extent, I'll explain more later, have a a paperless office. And this certainly was, at the time I set up my paperless office, essential. Now, not so much because, uh, you know, there's less and less paper around. People send me less. But every now and again, there are things that I need to retain. There are, I still vote in the United Kingdom. I still have the right to, to vote there, even though I don't live there. But every year I have to renew my right to do that. And they send me a form 
and say print, sign, scan, return. Ooh. And that's that's how I do it is with my little document scanner. I know I could do it with my iPhone, <laughs> but uh, it's it's just nice having that little tool. It sits over on my shelf there. And uh, if I have a, about once a week, I'll put a big load of stuff through there and just fire it off into the right places. And so I've got records, records. Um, I've got an unhealthy obsession with records. <laughs> but there you go. That was that was my tool. What about yours? What did you use this week? Well, I just got a new bullet journal in the mail, <gasps> which doesn't sound that exciting, except this is a new edition to bullet journal directly from Ryder Carroll's website, bulletjournal.com. New and improved. New and improved. This one is for fountain pen users, which is why I thought I'd mention it. Mm. Uh, it is 120 GSM paper, which makes this quite a thick little Leuch term. Yep. It has a few added things. It's a uh, black with sort of a goldy bronze foil to it. It comes with bronze gold stickers to them. Very reflective, very shiny, hard to figure out exactly what color they are. The paper is beautiful. It has some layout guides, so you can quickly and easily divide your page with a ruler. Very, very nice, actually. A nice little improvement. And, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. Ryder Carroll developed the bullet journal, and I can't think of any product that has been ripped off as much as his invention. You know, he's selling the journals. I mean, obviously he's selling the book as well, but I just gave that away. So that tells you how little I think about that book. But I did want to support him. This came out, I saw it on there and I thought, you know what? I'm going to throw some money his way, give him a little bit of support because you go to Amazon and the last thing you can actually find is a true bullet journal, bullet journal. Mm -hmm. Everything else comes up from all of these other offshore makers making cheap things and calling them bullet journal. So lovely though, if you're a fountain pen user, really something you might want to consider. Well, what we'll have to do JT is a little bit of a comparison because I'm, I'm reaching for it now. Mm -hmm. It's kind of change over time for me, or it will be very soon. Like you, <laughs> I have several notebooks on the go at one time and we're coming to one of those, um, sort of perfect confluences where I'm going to be changing three or four notebooks at the same time, which is always exciting. Oh, yes. Um, and um, I have to say, I wasted a good half an hour this morning sitting around going, okay, so for the daily driver, I think we might go to this one. Oh, but for the worky work, what we might go to that one. So yeah, lots of sort of proper geeking out. But what I've settled on for my daily driver is... Uh, you may or may not have tried one of these. A goal book? Have you tried a goal book? Uh, that is the Rodia version, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. yes. It is the Rodia version. Basically, it's a webby with page numbers. Yeah. I mean, it's got the page numbers. It's got contents on the front rather than index uh, in, in Bujo terms. It does have, I'm just going through it now, it does have a sort of uh, month calendar page. It does have little monthly... Uh, or quarterly spreads, if you like, oh. where you could do some, some Bujo-esque type things. And then it's just a dot grid paper. But of course it is Rodea paper. Mm, very nice. Which is nice. Uh, a little bit of vellum, sort of coated paper. Very nice for fountain pens. And mine is bright orange. 
which I guarantee you is nicer than your uh, Fuji. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Black with it. Bright orange. Oh, well, well, I'll have to compare some pictures. We'll, we'll, we'll have this uh, ongoing argument as I start using this. I'm really not going to use this other than sort of testing and, and doing my setups until September. September is when I moved to the new house, and I thought okay. it was the ideal time to start fresh, start with something new. And I've only got a few pages left in my current jobby job at the moment so i'm going to kind of do a daily driver like yourself as you said a, a main one that's going to be sort of a few things that i want to track as well as my daily top priorities that go on my analog but anyway paper lots of it it's good <laughs> yeah and uh, as for the the bujo edition too i think we'll probably have some in nero's we we do carry leuchtturm so the, i don't know how the the commercials work, but I think there is a sort of delay while um, Ryder gets the sort of first swell of sales, uh, and then it goes out of retailers, which I think is perfectly fair. And I'm, I, I agree with you. Um, I'm pleased to see him make uh, a dollar here and there. Mm -hmm. Doubtless, we'll find out probably from from feedback that he's already a multi-millionaire who doesn't need it. But um, who cares? Uh, he's done a lot of really good work, as you say. The book. Okay, I can take or leave, <laughs> but the journal itself and, and the thought process behind it, I think, is important. I think is good. I'm glad. I'm glad that he did it. Yeah, and I hope he's successful at it. I think he has developed something that has changed a lot of people's lives, and that is something that not a lot of people can say. You know, he's right up there with David Allen as far as sort of changing my workflows and letting me th look at things in a different way. So I've got a huge amount of respect for what he did. And that's why I throw some money at him directly. Yeah, excellent. Well done you. Now, pen and ink of the week. What are, what are you working on this week? Oh, I'm, I'm all over the place. Uh, this is pens and well, no inks of the week this week. <laughs> so I started this week with a jelly roll moonlight zero six in fluorescent pink. I have no idea what that is, but it sounds awesome. It is as fluorescent pink as one would expect. Basically, it looks like a Bic. It's a clear plastic rollerball type that comes in these wonderful, wonderful colors. They're an art supply and also for, you know, bullet journaling and all that stuff. They write so nicely. But after a little while, I realized that, okay, I can't write an entire week, including work, in fluorescent pink. <laughs> so I decided I had to be a little bit more serious. And so I threw in something that I picked up uh, several months back, a Parker Jotter XL. Have you ever played with the Parker Jotters? I'm assuming you have, but... I haven't, no. Oh, okay. Uh, so the Parker Jotter is a, well, it's been going around forever, a little ballpoint pen few months or maybe a couple of years ago they came out with the xl version which is perfect for my hand the small one just a little too dainty it's it's great if you're carrying it in a bag or something like that but it's just too thin and too small to write comfortably with my grip anyway for any extended time it's great for short notes you know if you're carrying it in in a pocket mm -hmm. the xl is a metal bodied version that is bigger can't remember the number off the top of my head. I did a review on it. It's not where I had the numbers on my blog. 
And I think it's about 33% bigger, but it just feels sturdy in the hand. It feels nice. And it's really nice. It's a click top, uh, silver on the top. Mine's a, a green on the bottom, British racing green kind of color. Just a real nice one. And then yesterday, because, well, I can't do anything big and dramatic with a ballpoint. I had to go and sign the papers for my new house. And unfortunately, my Mont Blanc signature pen is packed away. Mm -hmm. But I did take, and I know you have one of these, a Pilot Custom 823 that's filled with a Mont Blanc Midnight Blue. This is an old fill. The Pilot has a huge ink capacity, so I will probably be writing with that until Christmas with my fine nib. <laughs> yeah. Nice pen. That was the pen that I chose to sign all the very, very expensive documentation for my new house with and felt, oh, very, very proud of myself. Well done, you. Signed with a good pen and congratulations on the new house. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm really glad seeing as I'm packing up this one and uh, I don't <laughs> own it anymore. It's nice to finally get that paperwork started. So everything's moving. Uh, it was an expensive day though yesterday. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's probably more money than you spend on an average day, I'm going to guess. Definitely, definitely. I sat in the car with my wife on the way home and just said, do you know how much money I spent today? It was a very expensive <laughs> day. <laughs> how about you, Stu? What are you writing with? I've, I've been pretty good this week. I actually I've finished off a couple of pens, a couple of previous fills. <gasps> wow. Um, so I got through that Pelican. I was, there was a lot of ink in that. It was amazing. The, the, it was the honey burst. And the Honeyburst ink was bright and beautiful and flowing and bright and beautiful. And I thought, this is never going to finish. <laughs> it's bright and beautiful and flowing. And then it stopped. Oh, just stopped dead. Dead. Yeah, there was, there was no sort of, ah, it's coming, it's coming, just gone, finished. Wow. Oh, there we go. So I pulled out a bright yellow pen, mm -hmm. and it's my Sailor 1911 uh, fountain pen. Is that the large or the regular? Just the regular. Okay, nice. Bright yellow with a gold trim. It's got a little black uh, cap and a little black filial. Mm. Very, very nice pen. It's my first sailor, actually. And was he a nib that you wouldn't be able to cope with? It's, it's a medium, which... Oh, okay, medium's not so bad. Yeah, well, I look at it and think this is a bit fine for me. <laughs> sort of, I was going to say, that's not your kind of thing at all, I'm surprised. Yeah, sort of Japanese medium is a, is a bit scratchy for me. But I put in some really nice ink. I'll try and say this correctly. It's Murasaki Shikibu, which is by Hiroshi Zuko. So that's uh, pilot ink uh, that comes in the beautiful bottles. Sort of really nice flat bottles. Lovely. Which uh, color is uh, Murasaki Shikibu? Oh, uh, to, to the working fellow, uh, it's purple. Okay. Very nice purple. And yeah, well... Look, sailor, sailor make pretty good nibs. I've got to say, it does flow very nicely. It's a nice yeah. pen. Sailor pen with uh, an Arashizuku ink is just going to make a really, really nice writing combination. Yeah. And it's just going to flow so well. And I like yellow and purple. Call me weird. Alrighty then. So, what are we talking about today? Well, as mentioned before, I just bought a house. Mm. Uh, I'm moving in September and I'm thinking about the layout of my new office. And I wanted to get some discussion, have some thoughts from you. And if anybody from the listeners has some thoughts on this, I'm really trying to figure out how to set up my new office slash library, uh, because I'm willing to throw out almost everything 
Uh, my bookcases will be going in there, but everything else I'm willing to look at and say, okay, what am I going to set up new? So I'm trying to figure out a more minimalist system. And I know you're quite minimalist. Mm. So I wanted to have a conversation with you about how you set up your office and any tips and things you've learned, particularly if you're going to be putting in new furniture, which is kind of where I want to go, including a new desk. My question really is, what should I look for to set up a most productive office? Do you have any thoughts, Stu? Well, I mean, if you've got a podcast editor, then I recommend that you get a big American fridge freezer, double door, ice maker, uh, and a whole range of annoying noises. They, they love that sort of thing, Justin, the uh, podcast editors. Big fans of that. I, I have heard this. <laughs> this is the only room we could fit it in. Well, you know, I was looking at your your specs because you've put uh you've put the size of the room mm -hmm. <laughs> so just for the listeners i'll give everybody kind of an idea of what this yeah. looks like and I, I might even put some pictures in the show notes it's a fairly large bedroom it's almost 12 feet by 14 and a half feet sort of rectangular room there are double patio doors uh sort of in the middle of the room kind of off to one side a little bit that lead out to a view of the garden, the orchards beyond that, and Giant's Head Mountain in the background. And it is, it's a killer view, to be honest with you. I, I put a picture in for Stu in, in the show notes. I really need to put a desk in front of that so that I'm working and looking out and feeling inspired by that view. So that's kind of my thought on this how do I set this room up with a desk that will allow me to maximize the view and also be somewhat minimalist at the moment? One of the challenges I have, which I'm sure I am not alone among this, especially given the fact that uh, probably a good chunk of our listeners are stationary buffs as well. I have pencil cups with pencils and pens and display cabinets full of pens all on my desk and i feel very cluttered one of the things i'm really really hoping to do in the new office is to be less cluttered to find a way to be much more minimalist and much more consideration and active choice of what lives on my desk and so that's going to be sort of my guiding philosophy on this one. I want it to be really, really well thought out rather than just, I've acquired these things over time and this is where they end up living. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of my thought on this one. And surprisingly, your office is a similar size to mine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that the, the, probably the big difference is that my office is on the ground floor. Um, so. Uh, yours is a first floor room, is that right? No, nope, mine is actually on the ground floor as well. Is it? Oh, well, there we go then. So mine's a little bit thinner than yours, so uh, and probably a little bit longer. Mine is a carport mm. that has been converted, so it's kind of car-shaped. I have my desk set up to look out of the window, just as you're talking about doing. <laughs> but, but my windows are on the shorter wall, so... If I set up directly in front of it, I would be right in the middle of the space yeah. and it would make sort of getting around it a little bit difficult. But it's because I want to look out that natural light, which is 
terrible. It's a terrible choice if you want to take photos of things because uh, the light's all in the wrong place and <laughs> all that stuff. But I don't care because it's this is where I sit. I have my monitors. I have a dual monitor set up. They cover one side of my desk so I can move a little bit to my left and I have an unimpeded view down my driveway and into my garden and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, that's nice. As you say, you know, natural light is a privilege. Uh, if you've got it, use it. The thing with having a desk sort of facing out towards windows like that, unless you're going to push it up against the window, which I think is unlikely, is that cable management becomes uh, really, really important. Yeah, definitely. In the past, I had my desk against the wall, and, and you can hide all manner of sins if you're against the wall. So you can put in a modesty board, you can just run everything down to boxes and it's all very straightforward and easy and and you don't see most of it mm-hmm. because you can get to the, the back of my desk uh and curiously i just as you sent through your your thoughts i had just moved all of my peripherals and the mac mini itself were previously in a drawer unit so i had them sort of secreted away and then had the cables running out which gave me much more opportunity to hide the cables, but meant that, you know, plugging things in and out of the computer was an absolute nightmare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those fussy editor things, you know, needing you to exactly plug in your, your headphones right into the computer and not into your microphone. Absolutely. So all of those things, I thought, you know what, I have a Mac mini, it's hardly huge. And I have a, a Cal three Thunderbolts dock, so I can sort of connect everything to everything if I need to. Mm-hmm. And you need that if you want to run two monitors off a, off a Mac Mini. Anyway, so I brought all that out onto my desk because the space beneath my monitors is seldom used um, because there are two monitors sort of hovering there. Uh, and I thought, okay, I'll just leave all that there. But yeah, there is a mess of cables, which, as I said to you, I've, I've not worried too much about because I know in my heart of hearts the Mac Mini will not last forever. It'll probably last about 20 to 30 minutes after Apple announced the new iMacs <laughs> next year, right? It is rumored. So cable management becomes important, I think, particularly if, you know, as you say, you're setting up from scratch, you, you want it to look nice. So do you think you're going to go for multiple monitors? Uh, no. Well, sort of. Let me go back to what I'm using right now. I have two workspaces at the moment that I'm going to combine for this. I have basically a desk upstairs where that has my recording stuff on it. And then I just have, well, it's actually a dining room table downstairs in my library that my wife has claimed for the, uh, an actual dining room table in the dining room of the new house. You're going to eat. So that's part of the reason I have to find something new, but I just use downstairs, which is my day-to-day work my macbook pro 13 inch Mm -hmm. i just work off that with no external monitor which is great for some things because i can be very focused i'm not looking at several different applications such as the dreaded microsoft teams popping up on the side because i don't have the space for it Mm -hmm. Uh, however i am thinking that i do want to because this is going to be a permanent setup i want to rethink this a little bit rethink where I'm going to work, rethink the view and make everything into one sort of main work desk. I'm going to take, I have a 27 inch Apple 
a Thunderbolt display. That's an older display, but still works really well. It's not 5K. It's, I uh, can't remember what it is, 4K, I think it is, 3K, something like that. But it works very, very well hooked into my laptop. So that will be my primary display. When I'm recording this, that's what I'm looking at. Over on the side, I have a little laptop stand, and I have my laptop open on that with the secondary display, which is really, um, for me at the moment, it's monitoring some of the recording software that I'm running while the big stuff is on my main monitor. Uh, the reason it's open more than anything is until the until last week, Apple did not have a keyboard, an external keyboard that had the fingerprint sensor in it. Yeah. And that is the main reason because I'm lazy and it's quick and easy to reach over every time I need a fingerprint, which seems to be more and more as Apple continues to develop uh, rather than typing in passwords and all of that. It's just so quick to do that, to authenticate. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be sitting facing a 27 inch monitor. I'll have a laptop on the side. Like you, I am seriously thinking about these new rumored iMacs when they come out just to replace both of those, uh, partially because moving my big monitor here means I'm going to have to scramble to find a big monitor for my recording studio, which is going to be in a separate room. Mm -hmm. And moving a 27-inch monitor back and forth is not something that I really want to do. Yeah, no fun at all. As far as what I will have on the desk, surprisingly enough, I'm kind of thinking about cable management again. I really don't have too many of those. I've got uh, power in for the monitor. I've got power in for the laptop. I have a cable that goes from the laptop to the monitor, and I have a USB cable that goes into my Mix Pre 6, uh, which then has my microphone and cloud lifter and my dead switch and all of that wired into it. But those are all in sort of one continuous loop. Um, so I'm quite minimal in terms of what I need for that. I've got an external mouse, extended keyboard, and the trackpad uh, all in space gray because, you know, you have to go and buy the pro stuff, even if you don't have the pro iMac. <laughs> but that is kind of it for what I'm going to need on my desk. The rest of it all comes down to what can I choose to do? Of course, I've got a boom hooked on to the back of it with my mic off there. At the moment, I also have a matching boom light, which probably will stay. I may upgrade it for something a little newer. This is a, probably a 15-year-old IKEA lamp, but it's all home connected. So the light in it, I just say the keyword and I can turn it on, turn it off, turn it to whatever level I want. And I like having that little bit of task lighting so that, you know, if I'm working in a, a darkened room, I don't have to have big lights on. I can just work on, on a desk, but that's really it. Everything else I'm looking at now, I've got pens, I've got paper, I've got more boxes of pens. I've got, I've got more paper. Uh, there's a lot of stationary stuff. And what I'd like to do is get that off the top of my desk and just bring on what I'm using and then put it away. Mm -hmm. It's my theory. I'm not sure if it will work, but that's kind of my goal. I mean, I think the the best discovery I made for pens, I've I've sent you the link, was um, I'm going to get the name of this right now. It's a drawer unit 
from uh, Ikea was the one I got, but I'm, I'm sure you, mm-hmm. you know, other suppliers are available. I gave you the Canadian links. <laughs> That's how seriously I was taking this. I saw that. I was quite impressed. But it's um, the drawers on the top are very, very shallow. So you can't put much in them. You know, these are definitely not things that you could use, um, you know, in a bedroom, for example. And I then went to an American supplier for the little pen trays, uh, by which I mean a sort of corrugated liner uh-huh. uh, so that I could lay the pens sort of almost like a display. And so the the second drawer of my unit is all entirely pens and the third drawer is entirely pencils. And that's where they live unless they're inked and in use. Obviously not for pencils, they're not inked. But I then have a a pen a pen block on my desk which only contains pens that are sort of you know, current or active. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that I find prevents me having 250 pens littered around desks and places, which, as you say, can become a little bit tiresome. And that was a very, very inexpensive solution. Because then in the drawers beneath, that's where I put paper, spare notebooks, you know, all the usual ephemera that that, that we both have. Mm-hmm. Actually, I really like this idea. Yeah, I, I can even, um, I can't tell you now, but I can even dig out where I got the, um, the, uh, the corrugated liners from mm-hmm. because I, d- I did struggle to find them. I, I had them shipped over from the States in the end. <laughs> Ouch, expensive. Yeah, they came in, you know, two massive bits and I just s- simply just cut them into smaller pieces. Mm-hmm. But that's very nice because I can, I can literally now, I'm, I'm pushing back from my mic. I'm trying to count. It's probably about, I would say, 30, 30 or 40 pens deep and you can get at least four across the draw. So, you know, you're comfortably going to hold 120 pens there. All right. That might be a good way to put up or constraints on my pen buying as well. Yeah, well, yeah unfortunately, the, the draw unit, there are three of those shallow drawers <laughs> and three slightly deeper ones. So you could go as far as 360 if you used all the shallow drawers, but let, let's not go there. <laughs> Something like that, just doing a little bit of customization on a piece of furniture to make it suit your purposes, I think is well worth it because you, you do it once. And that is the ideal way for me to keep pens. Mm-hmm. They're all there. I can open it and look at them and I can open it and just select one and go, right, okay. Then open another drawer, take some ink out, ink it up, boom, uh, you're away. That's, I think, better than, than sort of looking at a load of pens and going, oh, do I keep them in their boxes? And if I keep them in their boxes, will they, will they ever get seen? Will they just gather dust somewhere? Or just have them lying in a drawer where you, you know, mm. some, of, some of the pens are, that, that we own are not inexpensive. Um, no need to reveal how expensive they are or aren't, but we don't particularly want them chipped or damaged. Mm-hmm. You, you want to look after them in a certain amount of respect. So I, th- I think that's a big win that's quite easy to find. But clearly it's going to depend a lot upon the look that you settle on for your mm-hmm. for your office library. Yeah, that was the only thing I didn't like about IKEA's choices. It comes in gray or white. Mm. The one thing that will be going with me is in this room, the walls will be lined with my bookshelves. And I have eight bookshelves with extended shelves on the top. Mm-hmm. So they're bigger than normal. 
uh, and they are in a dark brown. I think Ikea calls it dark brown black. They're the Billy versions. They're they're nice bookshelves, mm -hmm. but I can't and I don't really want to replace all of those. No. Uh, partially because the nearest Ikea from the new house is uh, a four hour drive. So, uh, you know, my choice is a ship it or, you know, I won't be able to walk around the ma the rat maze looking at the stuff and figuring out how it's going to fit in nicely to whatever room I have. That is a bit of a limitation because white might not go so well with those, but looking for something in this idea of a narrow drawer that has given me kind of an idea of, okay, these are things that, that I could go for and will work very well for keeping my stuff out of the way. Mm. I got a question for you though. What do you do with your ink? Uh, well, my ink currently, again, it sounds like an ad for, for Ikea, but I have Kallax, which is the, they're like the little square shelves. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're big, big units. And I've got one that's got eight little boxes that make up the unit and one that's got 12. So I have one standing portrait and another standing landscape. If, if you're with me. Yep. And one of those little units, I keep all my, all my ink. I don't have that much ink. I keep one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, say 12 full-size bottles and a couple of, well, a box of diamine, uh, the music collection. So little baby bottles in a box and that they're sort of set up. I, I, I won't say artfully, but with, with some thought, uh, just in that corner in the shade, I keep them out of the sun for obvious reasons. And that's it for me easy as that. If I had more, and I do have a little bit more actually, then it's in one of those little drawer organizers in, in one of my drawer units, the, the Malma, Malma six drawer chest. Um, apologies to any Swedes. <laughs> uh, you have an Ikea pretty close to you, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah. I mean the, when, when, when did I start buying this stuff? I'd originally furnished Nero's office. I, I sort of had it all built or I built it. So I don't know if this translates. I'm, I'm sure it does scaffolding, scaffolding poles, mm -hmm. you know, metal poles that you put on the side of buildings. I got my desks and my big, big shelving units made from scaffolding and then used either reclaimed wood or I used kitchen worktops actually for the desktops. Oh, very nice. Just went to my local sort of DIY store and went, yep, I'll have one of those, one of those, one of those and bolted them on top of this, um, scaffolding. And, you know, it was a very sort of modern industrial kind of look, which really fitted with the, with the office space that we were in. And we had a lot of space for not very many desks. So, so these sort of huge clumping great things weren't a problem. They weren't able to come with me. And as Nero's operations grew, I needed to buy some, some slightly more sort of normally scaled furniture. And I bought some of the, the Calax from Ikea. Ooh. And so then when we came over here and I had to furnish this uh, office, cause I used this office back in the noughties and I had a really small little computer desk that I'd inherited from somebody and uh, a little black chair and I put a laptop on it. That was it. That was all I had here. So for a full time office, I needed to, to, to kit it out. And yeah, the, you can either go online and spend a small fortune. Um, getting, you know, terribly, terribly posh office furniture, or you can go to a care 
and say, okay, I'm going to pick a color, whether it be white or beach, <laughs> and say, right, I'll have everything in, in that color. I was just looking, the calyx actually comes in the black brown that matches my bookshelves. So mm. this is a poss possible already. Yeah, I mean, the, the Calax is a nice sort of, um, it's a blend between display and storage. So I, I use the Calax and then there are some fabric boxes that sort of yeah. fit exactly. And, and that you can hide sins in there. <laughs> sort of the junk gets thrown in those little boxes. The box of cables. Yeah. But one of the weird things about Calax is that a full scap file mm -hmm. that I'm sure you will be familiar with, as will most of won't fit. <laughs> So you, you can't, you can't put sort of, you know, four files side by side in one of those boxes. They're, they're too tall, mm. which is incredibly annoying. <laughs> so, um, I have a couple of my fabric boxes actually have full scap files sort of lying on their side, almost in the box there, which is not, not really what I would like, but there you go. I'm, I'm wondering if this is designed for North America because we use letter out here, mm -hmm. which is just a little bit shorter. Yeah, I mean, I use, I mean, most of, most sort of paperwork in, in Europe would be A4. Yeah. But A4 in an A4 folder tends to get a little bit frayed. Mm. So you have a slightly oversized folder for it, if you like, file for it. Yeah, it's Ikea, Swedish. I don't know what they're doing in Sweden. I imagine Ikea is going to be paperless there. It's going to be, you know, environmentally sound and all that sort of stuff. So it's a slight annoyance. But yeah, there is, there is an Ikea here. It's not that close. Um, by Cypriot standards, it's miles away. So it's over an hour's drive, just. <laughs> so my four hours isn't too bad then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, um, but, you know, for a Cypriot to drive over an hour, it's got to be worth it. Yeah, it, it's just one. It is the, the universal appeal of, of, of IKEA. You know, it's inexpensive. It's fairly straightforward. And it looks like, it looks like okay. Uh -huh. What more do you need? I had a, a beautiful desk in UK. Well, I still do. It's uh, in... It's not in my home. I think it's in my garage. It's stored in my garage. We didn't bring it with us, which was sort of reclaimed um, 1970s furniture that we'd had. I had it covered in the desk top itself was covered in leather, but it was, um, it's more of a sideboard. So it's a desk that you sort of sit in almost. And it's, it's a very beautiful piece. It wasn't very practical. And it was, it was a pain in the backside if you're trying to use IT on it. But <laughs> I just draw some holes. It's fine. Yeah, so it was. Um, so you know, given a free reign, I would probably you know go and get lots of beautiful oak desks and all of that sort of stuff. But experience teaches me that the minute you you start doing that, you you get into some really really big numbers, and at the end of the day, it doesn't really make you feel any better than sitting in a care desk with you know with the things that you love to hand. Interesting. So, what do you use for your desk at the moment? You use? Uh, I've got a. A simple sit stand. It's Scarsta. Yeah, Scarsta. It's got a it's got a little wind up thing on it. So there we go. You unplug it and pull it out, and then I simply wind and it goes up and down. Mm. How do you find that? Uh, well, while I was using it, I found it okay. You need to be careful with your IT setup and make sure your cables are attached to the right things and have enough length in them. Yeah. So that you know you don't catapult lights into the middle of the room and stuff. But yeah, it's fine. The, the reality, however, is that my, my Calax are a sort of perfect standing desk height. So in one of the pictures that, that I, I sent to you, you'll see there's a laptop 
that's the Windows laptop over there sitting next to a HomePod. And I go and stand there and, and I wear if I'm going to use a standing desk. But most of the time, I, I don't use a standing desk. I used to, but I don't find it particularly comfortable. I suffer with um, varicose veins. Mm. So uh, one thing that I shouldn't really do is stand up too much. Mm-hmm. Um, sitting sitting down for me, curiously, is not terribly bad. I mean, I still get up and, and walk every hour and exercise as much as I can. Go to the fridge, get something cold to drink. You know, I get it. Yeah, I do quite a lot of going to the fridge stuff, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the temperatures you guys have, I'm not at all surprised. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was a great theory. And people have said to me, if you've got an electric one, then you're more likely to use it. But when I when I quiz people, even those with really swish electric stand-up desks tend to stop using them after a while. Mm, interesting. So in in the room I'm in now, I had, until I moved my studio into it, I had a separate desk behind me. So kind of weirdly, I had two desks. One of them was a standing desk, uh, and it was an Ikea desk that I had converted. It had uh, basically a shelving unit over the top, and it was all adjustable. So I converted that into a standing desk, and I ran with that for a few years. And it was great. But at a certain point, you know, throughout a day, you get a little tired and would like to have a sit down. Mm-hmm. And so behind it, I had a sitting desk. The process of taking my gear from one desk to the other was a pain. Mm. And that's why I want to look at a convertible desk, a standing to sitting desk. For the longest time, I was recording my podcast stood up and I really enjoyed that. I found my energy level was a little bit better. It was, it was a fun process, but again, I had to move some stuff around to keep, uh, the better half happy and that trumps my own personal comfort. But having worked with sort of a stand up and a sit down desk, I think the one thing I did miss was the ability to move back and forth. I see your setup where you've got the separate space that you can use for your stand up desk and work. What I would be concerned about, particularly if I go iMac, when that comes out, which I keep looking at those and getting excited, is the idea that I would have to go to a different machine and my layouts and my, you know, everything would change. And that bothers me a little bit in a way that I can't explain, you know, that I would choose not to do it because the convenience factor, Sure. even though I could do it, you know, and I could probably do that for different tasks, you know, Mm. much like in during a day, I work in three or four different spots around the house, you know, in the morning when I get the dog up, we sit at the kitchen table, I put the MacBook pro on there and I work while she's eating and doing her morning rituals, mostly which involve taking your hair and messing it up. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, so I, I do move around a little bit. I enjoy that, but I think for this setup, I'm really looking for something permanent and adjustable. I, I have been looking at these fully desks, which yep. you get into some large numbers put it that way with those you do i mean my monitor arm is from them the the jarvis mm, that's very nice with the the twin monitors on it i mean it's um well they're not twins but sorry two monitors on it uh you know it's very heavy duty it's very very good kit 
Um, and I, I would be very confident that their desks are really good, you know, having, cause I looked at them myself, but again, my, my own personal experience of the, of the sit stand desk is it's a fantastic theory, <laughs> but the reality is what, whatever pr your preference sort of turns out to be, mm -hmm. you, you end up sort of sticking at, the, at that level. And particularly because, um, you know, for you and I, we're always going to a certain extent be surrounded by notebooks and pens and pencil or you know, index cards and having all of those come up to a new level it is difficult to achieve unless you get a very big desk. Mm -hmm. So what I found was that when my sort of central unit would rise and I would rise with it, then my sort of drawers next to my desk were, were suddenly inconvenient because they were miles away and they were sort of down on my knees. And my pens, which were sitting in a nice pen block, were sort of out of reach. And it's all overcomable, but it doesn't take much friction for me to go, do you know what, I'll just leave this. It's much like you say with the Mac, you know, you've got your favored machine with your favored setup. I think to pretend to ourselves, don't worry, I'm going to go and work on that machine over there just because it gives me a little bit of exercise and I'll ignore this one with my favored setup. You won't. Yeah. I mean, very quickly, you won't. And that that's what's settled for me. But but the, by the same token, you know, whenever I talk about it, I do sit here and I think, Joe, how could I set this up so I could use the standing desk more? And, you know, would it bother me that much? And what I what I quite like is, is as you described, change of task. So where the laptop is, the standing desk, right, I'm going to go over there, I'm going to write a blog piece, and I'm going to have, you know, no internet enabled on that. Uh, laptop at that time, I'm just going to write, boom, uh, and leave and leave my big machine doing its big machine things. But again, what I would find is actually, should I go and sit on that nice comfy chair and just type type on the app on my big machine with its dual monitors? And <laughs> mm. Mm. Uh, it doesn't take much friction to derail us. Mm -hmm. Just thinking. So where I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of draw an analogy here mm. because the picture you sent me of your office. I'm assuming is taken from the big almighty fridge. Yep. Pretty much. Yep. What I've been contemplating and you have a room this size. I've, I've not been there other than sort of the tour around the house when I bought it. I'm, I would like to get a separate writing desk and, you know, maybe I'm a little arrogant in this, but I'm, I'm sort of imagining some antique writing desk that puts you in the, you know, I, I need a beret to go with it so I can sit there uh, and be an artiste and a writer and get my fountain pens and my notebooks out um, and be, you know, a, a little, rather than writing on my main computer desk, I would like to have a separate desk for just sitting and writing longhand uh, with stationery. In the room of that size, would that be possible or am I over-imagining based on the size that I've seen in the pictures. No, absolutely. It's, it's possible. Um, I mean, I've just sent a picture to you now, which has got the aforementioned fridge, the, the, the third seat of the podcast, you could say. Oh yes. Oh, my, my nemesis. <laughs> and a couch next to it. So that's, that's a full two-seater couch that's next to it. And, you know, you could very easily replace that couch with a desk and a chair and, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be a problem at all. You can either have a, a chair or do what I have and have a rolling chair that you just move one to the other. 
again, for me, the, the barrier to that was that actually quite a lot of the work I do, I'm changing mode all the time. So I'll, I'm, I'll be sitting here writing notes with a fainted pen and reaching for a notebook and then moving to my keyboard. And uh, it's, would I be able to move one to the other? I don't know. That, that would be the question. That would be my fear. I, I know David Sparks does it. He has a, he has a writing desk and a, and a computer desk. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. I'd, well, I'd, I'd love to sort of, you know, put him under the bright lights. And say, so exactly how many hours do you spend at that writing desk? Um, sort of a feeling he might find it a bit difficult to be torn from his Mac, but that's, that's, that's me putting words into his mouth. I think. <laughs> I'm just looking at that fridge horrified. <laughs> it's a big fridge. It's great in a kitchen. I have to say. <laughs> I can understand completely all the editing I have to do. So that's all good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that's my thought. Um, and again, that's not going to be something that will happen right away once we move in there, because, you know, basically I'm going to take, I've got an old Ikea desk that I've been dragging around for probably 25 years. It's just a big workstation with, um, sit down work desk. Uh, it's probably, uh, I would say five feet long. So it's a big desk and that'll be dropped in there right away. Mm. But I would like to kind of get into something, uh, you know, a, that's a little bit newer, a little bit nicer, the fully ones. The reason I kind of go there, I've listened to Mark Ormond, uh, and his concerns in ATP over desks, standing desks. I have one in my office can wobble. How's the Ikea one for that? Because any wobble at all would drive me nuts. This one uh, is very, very solid. As with most Ikea things, I mean, it's really simple. There's a the, sort of the two legs are metal in metal. Mm -hmm. And once you, once you lock the, um, the winding mechanism, it's, it's stable. It, it doesn't move. And, and I, you know, similar to you, I've got a, I've got a huge Jarvis monitor thing. I mean, that, that weighs, oh, I don't know, seven or eight kilos on its own with a couple of big monitors on it. And I have a mic on a boom. Uh, so there's plenty of stuff that could, could, you know, unbalance the desk. And let's face it, I'm not a small man. <laughs> if I'm leaning on a desk, <laughs> that desk is going to know about it. But no, I, I didn't have any wobble problems. Oh, good to know. Good to know. Of course, you've got to have, you've got to have a flat floor. I mean, that, that's something that you might not be able to control. Mm. Yeah, uh, I'm just wondering actually what even is the floor there? I believe most of the house and see, this is really exciting podcasting because I'm looking at pictures. <laughs> I think you've got a wooden floor. <laughs> I have no idea what the floor is. I believe it's actually a tile floor, a ceramic tile floor. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that would usually, that would usually indicate it's quite flat. I mean, I've got concrete tiles, so. Mm. Um, it, this is pretty flat, probably the only, only straight line in the entire property. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The only reason I know about the tile floors is right next to this, the bathroom has, um, in ground heated floors, which I'm so looking forward to in the winter. Yeah. That'll be nice. Bit of luxury there. Yeah. What do they call it? Radiant heat. I think your approach is right. You know, take a desk there and, and move it, you know, put it in a couple of places and work out how you want the space to work because I'm, I'm guessing that there's still going to be, you know, early mornings with the dog 
Uh, you're still probably going to be on the kitchen table with your laptop. <laughs> oh, yeah, most definitely. And, you know, part of the new house is a little bit bigger, so I'll probably even have more places to work, which would be great. You know, I think like you, we were talking about with your, your stand-up laptop, changing context is huge. And so this desk is going to be my primary workspace, but at the same time, I don't have any problem with moving around for different contexts. I don't necessarily want to be working in different spots in terms of, you know, like the jobby job stuff. I'd like to have one spot because that gets you into that frame of mind, but to go writing, to go do something else. I certainly think that keeping an open mind for different context, different shifting is really nice. I think like you though, I'm kind of really attached to this idea of a new iMac when they come out. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the Mac mini. It's been, it is the first one I've ever owned and I just love how compact and tiny it is and, and yeah, how powerful it is. But I loathe all of this connectivity that I have to have yeah. and not being able to run the monitors that I would like because of limitations and, you know, the, the monitor arm itself is great. It's lovely, but it is a big chunk of metal sort of in the middle of my office and it does hold up these monitors that are kind of in the way and, <laughs> you know, I'm really interested to, to see how I will think through the Mac purchase, whether, whether I would get one that I can mount on this, mm -hmm. um, because I could in theory then have a, you know, a 5k and a two 5k screens mm -hmm. running, which would be great for some of the IT things that I do, but just horrifies me in terms of the aesthetics. I'm, I'm, I still, I've, I've, TJ and I have laughed about this so many times. The, the tiny MacBook Air marooned on a white desk with nothing else. This, that's still, to me, that's the ultimate writer setup. Mm -hmm. It's just that, that desk can just type away. And if I need my notebook, it's in a drawer to hand, but it's not visible. Mm -hmm. Um, and all of that minimalism is brilliant for Instagram. <laughs> it's terrible <laughs> for the way that I work. So yeah, it's impractical. Yeah. I've got old eyes. I need big screens. <laughs> Have you thought, cause you know, screens are going to be sort of a thing that I'm thinking about as well. Part of the reason I'm leaning towards the new iMac when it comes out. Have you ever thought about the XDR display from Apple? Um, yeah, I, I've thought about it. I mean, it's, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure it's a lovely screen. I've not seen one, uh, in person. Um, it's a lovely screen and it's no rarer than hen's teeth. Yeah. It's going to be. It's going to be, you know, ahead of its time for a few years, but for the things that I'm using a screen for, I, I don't need that level. Uh, 5k is already, you know, bearing in mind, I'm sitting, I don't know, about 18 inches or two feet from it. That's more than enough for what I need. And, you know, color balancing and stuff. I don't think my eyes are anywhere near that good. So I, I don't think I'd want to invest that heavily. Mm. I, what, what will bother me? is if I were to get the new Mac, it's going to have a 30-inch screen. That's different from the two monitors that I've got. I mean, I've got a Dell monitor here only because I can't have... I've got two LG monitors, the sort of Apple-approved ones, but you can't have both running off a Mac Mini. I love it. Not without, not without getting a super-duper cable that, that works backwards. <laughs> let's, let's not even go there. The idea of having the, the new Mac screen and then even the LG, which is going to be 
not match it. It's just so I I think I'm not sure, and I'm, I dare say we may talk about this one day. But I think I will probably have the Mac with the iPad Pro as a sidecar. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that will mount on the monitor arm. I think it will just be the monitor arm will go back into storage for whenever I come up with the next ludicrous setup. I'll give that a few months. <laughs> exactly. I'll probably set up another room somewhere and go, here is where I'm going to record and here is where I'm going to do this. And who knows? Welcome to my world. Yeah, exactly. Uh, maybe I'll move to central Canada. Oh, gosh. Uh, what question. Have you seen the new IMAX at all? Uh, the, the new big ones? Uh, the 24-inch in person. Uh, no, I haven't seen them in person. Only in pictures. And I, I look at them and think, yes, they are very, very pretty. They are. One of the things that blew me away, I actually saw one in person a few weeks ago. I finally got to go to an Apple store. Surprising. I walked out, didn't spend anything, which was even more surprising. The surround, the bezel, is white. Mm which looks good if you're a light mode user. Mm -hmm. But for me as a dark mode user, I think would be particularly jarring. Mm -hmm. So one of my big concerns with these new iMacs, the iMac Pros or whatever they call them, is if they use the same design language, that would actually bother me more than anything else, I think. Having the the white bezels around it, because I'm so used to a black bezel that doesn't distract from my eyes just looking at it and, and playing with them a little bit they're you know again the performance is what i expect from my m1 mac but certainly that was a challenge for me uh, going back to light mode felt like somebody was shining torches into my eyes you know <laughs> very very odd yeah i mean i think i think the the design language clues um they're going to be space gray and if they're space gray i think it's difficult to see them use white bezels with space gray we know they're going to be space gray because the you know the touch id keyboards you can't buy a space gray one at the moment Mm -hmm. because they're holding it in reserve presumably for the pro releases so i think you'll be okay but i understand what you say i mean i'm a light mode person i find um i've tried i've tried to like dark mode and i just don't Ah. so i'm just doesn't work for me Dark mode matches my personality. <laughs> I'm sure that's not true. He said, trembling slightly. <laughs> All right. Cool stuff. Uh, lots to think about. Thank you so much for sharing those links too, especially the Canadian ones. Uh, give me, I, I have a feeling I'll probably be coming back into the lower man sort of once a, once a month, making that small little commute of about four hours to go into the office and say hi to everybody and keep visible. Uh, so I will have access actually to uh, an IKEA sure. when I, I drive down. It'd be a little less convenient, but I drive a big pickup truck. So, hey, anything's possible at this point. And the other thing is I, I always envisage that, that Canada is full of you know places dotted around where people just make furniture. I mean, does that not happen in central British Columbia? They're not people just making to measure for you? I'll be honest with you. I don't know. Uh, I know very little about the area. We've gone on several vacations. My wife's brother lives uh, in the same town that we're moving to. But I haven't spent much time there. This is kind of somewhere different. 
I've never lived in a small town. Mm -hmm. uh, I've always been sort of a city slash suburbs, uh, general metropolis type uh, of person. So I've got no idea what actually happens in there. I know there's a lot of winemaking and that's the part that's got me excited about moving over there. The rest of it, I'm going to have to figure out once I'm over there. Work it out as you go along. It's the best way. Mm -hmm. All right. What do you got for takeaways this week, Stu? Well, my takeaway is, um, aren't, aren't we lucky? Aren't we privileged? Um, I'm, I'm sure both you and I would say, you know, we've worked hard to, to get to where we've got to, but that let's acknowledge privilege where it is. Oh, yeah. We could all work from a kitchen table. We could all work from a little fold out desk. We probably both have and still do, but it, it's, it's such a joy to have a little corner of the house that you can call your own. Um, and you know get concerned about exactly which light to put where and geek out a little bit. And I'm, I'm sure there's a, there's a large part of you that's really excited about working out how to make the space work for you. Mm -hmm. So yeah, enjoy it. Make your little corner. Surround yourself with things you love. Yeah, I certainly am very privileged and uh, do acknowledge that as well. You know, I realize not everybody has the same possibilities to do what I'm doing. 2020 taught me a lot about remote working. But even, you know, when I took the plunge, I didn't know if I was going to have a job at the other end of this because, you know, it's one thing to work from home in the middle of a pandemic, but to say I'm moving away, it was a leap of faith. And certainly uh, I'm happy that my employer is supporting what I'm doing and letting me work remotely. And I certainly have, have a lot of privilege moving up here. Um, and I do recognize that, uh, as a takeaway. Be flexible, enjoy it, and look for the opportunities in life too. This is a leap of faith for me, as I was just saying. I don't know much about this area, but I'm certainly excited to try something new. And that's not usually the way I approach life, is I'm not an adventure seeker like Stu, moving from country to country and exploring. I'm, I like where I'm comfortable and enjoy it. So I've been in my current house for 22 years, just to give you kind of a, a frame of reference which I think Stu's been in, what, uh, 12 different countries during that time? <laughs> you wouldn't be far wrong. All right. Uh, so, yes, uh, and enjoy whatever you can have, even if it's just a kitchen desk. Just make it your own, you know, put something nice on it, put a nice pen on it, put a nice notebook on it and enjoy it. But just enjoy what you do have. And, you know, we're, we're incredibly lucky to be having this conversation. All right, Stu, so where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, well, you can find me at stuartlennon.com, uh, where I write about stuff. Uh, you can find me at neurosnotes.co.uk. Um, or if you're a Twitter person, find me at, at Stu Lennon. Where can people find you, Justin? I'm at uh, justintwyfer.com, writeexperience.com. You can find our show notes at stationaryadjacent.com. This is episode 23. So if you look for that, it'll be right off the homepage. They will have links to all of the things we talked about. Please like and review us on your podcast, Catcher of Choice. We really do appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues to help the show grow and help people learn from what we're talking about. Our next topic is spelt wrong, but it is organization. Tags or folders or both? Oh, uh, we're going to have to argue about consonants again, aren't we? S's versus Z's. <laughs> yeah, I've been panicking there. Until next time, say goodbye and stay productive. Yes, sir.